Greetings and welcome everyone to another edition of the Guardian Podcast with me, Rin Melberg. Today I am talking with Mark A. Langley, President and CEO of the Project Management Institute, or as all of us know it, PMI, as Chief Spokesperson and Advocate for demonstrating the value of project management to businesses and governments worldwide. Mark has grown PMI's ability to shape the future of the profession in collaboration with world-leading organizations of the PMI Global Executive Council to ensure alignment to the business value organizations need today and, of course, the strategies of tomorrow. Mark also leads PMI's efforts to deliver value to some 3 million project management professionals worldwide through through the organization's advocacy. Both Mark and PMI are coming off of a very busy time, and that's why we've spoken with them before, and that's why we're so happy to have Mark here with us today. And we're going to talk about how they're contributing a great deal to business via project management. So first off, Mark, thank you, and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Ren. Glad to be here. So before we take a deep dive into what everything you guys have been doing lately. Can you give the audience, a, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your role at PMI? Uh, certainly, yeah. Um, well, as a chief executive, I'll start in the end and go back to the beginning. But as a chief executive of PMI, I do much of what you described, um, really out advocating for the value of the profession, specifically the business value of the profession. So project mm-hmm. and program managers, you know, we at PMI know and, and they know that Really, all strategic change happens through projects and programs, but making that connection in an organization is sometimes difficult. Uh, so those that develop strategy don't often see or recognize the capability that they have in the organization or need in the organization that comes through uh, the project and program management professionals that work there. Uh, prior to PMI, I, I came out of the, the, the for-profit world, a financial and operating background, you know, positions such as you know, CFO, COO in different industries. So um, got a good blend of uh, in sector experience, and uh, but I've been with PMI as its chief executive for almost seven years and, uh, and, and still enjoying it. So that's the good news. <laughs> that is good news. Because um, it's a long time, right, to be in your kind of a role. So the fact that you're still enjoying it, and um, and this is exciting. You're still making changes in the organization in a really positive way. It's really good. So in November last year, PMI released a thought leadership series. And just this year, released three additional thought leadership reports that emphasize the importance of organizational agility. So what do you guys mean by organizational agility? Uh, sure. So one of the things we do in our thought leadership series is is really focus on uh, the issues and topics that are critical um, to, to organization leaders, again, to help them make the connection to, to be more successful. And organization agility, we've been focusing on um, through a series of reports this year, but as early as 2012, because we define it really as an organization's ability to uh, sense and adapt, if you will, to uh, any kind of change, external or internal. So, uh, shifts in economic uh, conditions in the marketplace, uh, changes in, in technology, mm-hmm. uh, any change, internal or external, it's the, really the organization's capability to sense that and, and quickly adapt and respond to it in terms of changing any aspect of the organization, you know, product portfolios, organization structure, uh, bringing in new capabilities, 
you know, aimed at, at delivering the strategy, you know, over the next three to five years. Wow. So, so I'm a, I'm a COO myself. So I'd like to know from you, what role does the C-suite have for influencing greater agility in their organization? I think there probably can be a better question that you asked as, as terms of what the role of the C-suite has, because it's, it's really significant. You know, our, our re- you know, we we know intuitively um, that mm-hmm. uh, anything with with executive support is more successful in an organization, but in, in our research, it, it's even more critical um, because we, in all against all of our research, we we've done multivariate regression analyses, and the single most important factor for successful projects and programs, which again is Really, the strategy being implemented is uh, it mm-hmm. needs executive support. So uh, the, the role is essential. And among the things that the C-suite can do is really address what we would call the cultural factors that enable greater agility. You know, so what's the risk tolerance of the organization? Um, do, do they have have they set the tone of leadership at the top that enables mm-hmm. individuals to 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 respond accordingly? So it involves talent management, making sure that the the, the right capabilities and tools are there. But most importantly, the mindset. So if you want to be an agile organization or have organization agility, it's really a shift in mindset from maybe old structures of command and control to you know new or innovative ways of, of really getting work done. And, and that starts at the top. You, it's, it's not enough to just say, we want to be agile. I think if you asked any executive in the C-suite, would you like to be agile? The answer would be yes. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want to be Fast, you know, you don't want to be slow. Right, that's a sure way not sure way not to be in the C-suite any longer. Uh, but I think it's more <laughs> than just it's, it's more than just giving you know some top level direction. It's really about uh, setting the tone uh, and, and demonstrating the leadership that's necessary uh, to achieve that agility. So one of the things is looking when I was looking at the um, thought leadership um, series, is there one C-suite role? that you think um, has a greater influence than the others when we're talking about organizational agility? Or do you think it's everybody? Uh, well, I don't think it's only the C-suite um, that, you know, that plays that critical role. Um, but if I were to pick one role for the C-suite, it would be to, uh, to assure that, um, that those that work in the organization, because at the end of the day, people are are the most important aspect in the organization. Mm-hmm. But there's the right there's the right culture and conditions for them to behave in a way that the the C suite wants them to, which is to be you know, sense and, and respond and adapt quickly, and to do it with a view to deliver you know, increasing value. So uh, we we don't just want to go fast and, and not create any more value. We want to create uh, you know greater value mm-hmm. for the organization. So better results, more more efficient, more effective. Increase customer satisfaction, speed the market, revenue growth, whatever the metrics. So I think the C-suite can set that tone by demonstrating the leadership, you know, com- clearly communicating the, the strategy, having the right aligned set of metrics, because too often organizations we find are out of alignment. So they, they, the strategy mm. states one thing, but they're being measured against a set of metrics that, uh, that don't really align to that. And, uh, and it's really about transforming the organization all the way through. You see challenges even in in terms of uh, in individual or group uh, performance management. So what they're actually being held accountable for, or what success looks like, as you cascade through the organization, doesn't really quite align to what the C-suites laid out as a strategy. So I think that's the role that they play, and uh, and it sounds easy and simple, but it, of course it's not. Um, but from 
from the it's very not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but from a broader leadership team a perspective, I think there's there's other roles that the organization can have. How are they organized, for instance, around this mm-hmm. change capability? So all strategic change coming through projects and programs, how they organize the organization because it's very different than day to day operations, which can align you know more functionally. Uh, this is across the organization, uh, matrixed, you know, set of resources coming together for a period of time. It could be, you know, it could be three months, it could be, you know, 18 months, uh, but they're going to work in a very different fashion and having a very clear understanding of how that, that comes together and, and, and the roles and responsibilities is essential too. So I think I would, I would characterize that as really leadership at all levels. So C-suite plays a role, business unit mm-hmm. managers play a role. But, of course, the leaders of the major programs play a role as well. That's really interesting. So, you know, I had to ask because that's something we talk a lot about on the podcast. Um, Another thing we talk about a lot um, is the role and importance of corporate culture and the power of self-directed teams. Um, We've also talked about risk. You know, hey, I'm a COO. What do I think about every day? Risk, right? Um, and how it can stifle creativity if we don't have the right kind of thought processes and culture around risk. Um, so, you know, coming from your your the series, how can an organization manage a culture that fosters both um, innovation, you know, and ingenuity and commitment? And, you know, when we have a lot of risk, commitment is very hard. And when we have a lot of unknowns, commitment is very, very difficult. So any ideas on, on how an organization can sort of balance those two? Well, I, and I think it really does start at the top. I think any mm-hmm. any executive in an organization probably wakes up every day worried about um, being disrupted and, and not even at like a part of the, of the unit of the organization. The entire organization being disrupted right. by some other innovation or other organization that figures out a way to do it differently or or, or uh, faster and responds better to customer needs. So I think you know there's motivation there, and that and that that's not the question. Um, but when you think about risk and how it can potentially you know, stifle creativity or innovation, I think the mm-hmm. you hear phrases like we we want to you know fail fast. And I think what organizations and executives need to recognize is. They maybe they want to fail fast, but what they really want is to learn fast. So mm-hmm. it, it comes back to the culture and the people. So what's the behavior that you're promoting? Uh, are you re- are you actually rewarding failure or, or recognizing failure? And sometimes it can be positive. Or are you punishing failure because you're so risk averse, even though you say that you want uh, some in- you know innovation and, and, and new methods and ways of doing things? So it comes back to empowering people um, to identify and, and respond. And to, and to really change the way they think and work, um, it's, it requires collaboration, faster learning cycles. Uh, you have to, as executives, you have to change the decision-making cycles. So if you want to go more quickly, you can't rely on old processes that uh, required, you know, longer review and decision cycles. In, in our org agility research, we identified ten practices, and, and that was one of the practices, which is uh, to develop shorter decision and production review cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a whole organization change and, and mindset shift that has to has to happen, and uh, and it really involves you know the the full array kind of end to end view of of the organization. But it, things like learning cycles, uh, decision making, value delivery, uh, ownership over the you know the, the, the processes and the, and the decision making, making sure that's clear. It's a 
it, it, it really starts at the, the C-suite, and then, um, but it has to cascade through, and it's really about empowering people and developing that culture. And again, sounds sounds simple, uh, simple phrase, but uh, we know that organizations struggle with it. Okay. So another thing that organizations often struggle with, right, is um, when we think about project teams, self-directed or otherwise, but um, when you think about those teams, they're typically made up of people for, with different um, types of extra expertise from different parts of the organization. Um, unfortunately, cooperation across organizational boundaries is not always the norm. We usually hear silo more than organizations not having silos. Um, is it possible to invent or encourage a culture where cross-functional cooperation is the norm? Well, it's absolutely possible. And I think one of the some several of the ways that happens is really recognizing that um, you know the kind of the project work and project teams is fundamentally different you know, from day-to-day operations. And I agree with you that often the the silo mentality exists primarily one big factor is because the resources are actually owned, if you will, and in some organizations controlled within mm-hmm. functional business units. And we're pulling those resources out to work on a matrixed team, self-directed or otherwise. And those resources are often pulled back. And, uh, and that's one of the big factors for, mm-hmm. you know, I think, poor, poor performance of, of in, in various projects. So one of the ways you can do that is, and we see uh, organizations with high agility and, and, and the champion organizations in our pulse of the profession re- research is the use of things like project management offices. Um, so whatever they call it, but there's, there's an organization group that focuses on uh, developing people, uh, making sure they have the right competencies and skills. And some of those skills are really leadership. So PMI uh, uses what we call the PMI talent triangle to describe the competencies and behaviors that project and program managers who lead those teams need to be more successful. And it's really three areas. Uh, One is what we'll call technical skills, so technical project management skills and maybe uh, sector-specific technical skills. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're an engineering company or an IT company. Um, But the other two are uh, strategic and business management skills. So you talk about understanding the organization's strategy, uh, its customer relationship management models, because it, if, if you're working in a project or a program, uh, you, you need to make sure that you're, it's still aligned to the organization's strategy because things are changing rapidly. Um, and the third and, and probably and most important based on the research is uh, leadership. And that involves things like um, negotiation, conflict resolution, organization mm-hmm. change management. And that's where uh, we, we see organizations that are high performance have much more a greater focus rather on uh, the development of a broader set of, of skills and, and behaviors that are necessary for success. And if you think about it, if you're having, you know, kind of cross-organizational issues and silo battles, then uh, if someone who has these capabilities can actually lead across those challenges and resolve them uh, because they're, they're, they are going to pop up every once in a while, uh, because silo mentality is actually an individual perspective. It's really not a structural sometimes uh, because any structure, you could put everybody in one group, but you still would have silo mentality. So you have to really, uh, you have to have a, a leadership perspective within the team. And that's why I refer to it as, you know, kind of set the tone at the C-suite, you know, leadership and, and behavior, and then make sure that those that are leading the efforts have the right uh, skills and behaviors 
uh, including leadership skills, because that, that will help break down the silo uh, mentality. And if I could go back up to the C-suite and the, and the executive sponsor, that's one of the critical roles that they play, which is to make sure that the resources for the major program are there when they're needed and throughout the life cycle of that program. Um, I think the, the one great quote from our research that we had was that a good executive sponsor uh, has two characteristics. One is the ability to micromanage uh, a project or a program. And the second is they, they don't have the tendency to micromanage a project or program. <laughs> so their role is to c- communicate across the organization and up to make sure that it's everybody understands the value of the program, uh, the, the resources are provided to remove roadblocks, which inevitably will occur, but they don't uh, they don't go down into the details of, of the major practical program. Instead, they rely on the leaders of those teams to, to do their work and make sure that uh, what they do is make sure that they have people that have those set of skills that we define in the in the PMI talent triangle. It's so funny when you said that because it reminded me of a mentor I had fairly early in my career who said the best leaders in our organization are project managers to some degree. And you never really get rid of those skills. They just kind of change a little bit. So when you when you said that, just it just kind of reminded me of um, of you know when he talked. And I definitely see that in my own work. I've never stopped being a project manager. <laughs> it's just a difference, right? And they have a lot more projects going on at a particular time, but um, those skills in, that you were just talking about are, are so critical in leadership. Um, and, and it's really important, I think, to see project managers as a leadership role, personally. Um, I've always really emphasized that in my organizations. Even if they don't have direct reports, they're still leaders, right? Well, they are, um, and, and, they're, and they're actually leading the, the the strategic change of the organization. So um, mm-hmm. something when I we started in the thought leadership series and some of our research years ago, the thing that surprised me most was that executives in organizations uh, were leaving to chance the the implementation of their strategy if they didn't take the step to make sure they had a capability around uh, project and program management because they can call it a transformation program, they can call it change management program. The the, the label is not as important as having the, the capability. And without having a mature capability to deliver major projects and programs that ultimately support strategic initiatives, they're, they're essentially leaving their strategy to chance. So uh, right. I, I never understood it, but we, we certainly see that, um, you know, you know, years ago we started, we saw more of it. And now we see organizations are still a gap, a significant gap, but organizations are recognizing the connection more clearly. And I couldn't agree more that these, because of what they're leading, they are leaders in the organization. And uh, in, in many ways, being developed to be the future business leaders, and even some organizations mm-hmm. we know view uh, the, the the I'll call it the pool of project and program managers as potential future business leaders because they're getting exposed to the entire organization. So it's almost like having a management academy in the organization, right. with you know, because they're moved, they're they're working on different programs, you know, getting exposed to other you know units like finance, marketing, sales, information technology, et cetera. And, and developing a broad set of skills and experiences that, uh, and really understand the business. So it's a real opportunity for organizations to think that way. That, uh, and, and many do. And we, we see increasingly right. that's, you know, there's, that's why there's millions of uh, people we represent out there 
<laughs> really nearly every country and territory. Right. So um, it, it, it is a, a significant shift for organizations, but they are making it. Well, like I said, I admit that's how I got there. And it was exactly how you described it was because I was leading, well, I was leading um, mergers and acquisitions. <laughs> Does it get more strategic than that, right? Um, so the, the sourcing, um, the deal, due diligence and the integration. And there's you touch every single part of the organization when you're doing M&A work. And it was a crash course and how companies work. Um, and I really have credited on the show and elsewhere um, that that's why my career trajectory was so fast because I worked with everybody in every part of the organization. I had to lead them, including executives, right? You had to influence up. <laughs> um, and it really built those skills um, to be a good leader in the organization and to be able to um, take on those larger strategic responsibilities. So I strongly encourage people to really leverage that talent pool and those opportunities that you have to build your future leaders in the organization. So my two cents. Um, Thanks so much. Mark, for your time and everything you've shared with us. I really want to encourage people to check out um, the Thought Leadership Series at PMI. And if you haven't ever been to the PMI website, please go check that out. Um, Really have a lot more, a lot that we talked about today, a lot to really think through and digest. So I hope that made it especially entertaining. Um, and an informative podcast for everyone. I um, also want to congratulate Mark and his organization on their latest contributions to thought, thought leadership and to the Agile community at large. So thank you, Mark. Um, you guys are welcome back anytime. As thank always, so thanks. Um, as always, you can hear this podcast and all of our podcasts on the website, which is com on iTunes, and on SoundCloud. There are also um, my blog posts, press announcements, and articles I've contributed to at the website as well. Thank you for listening. Come back next time for another edition of the Guardian Podcast with me, Rand Melbert. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>